Our precious Father, we just want to thank you for this privilege we have to study. We trust you in this hour that by your spirit, you will inspire everything we say, that you open our heart and open our ears so we hear and understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, we've concluded um, our teaching on um, the weapon of uh, shield of faith. So we go and finish the last three weapons that's in the scripture you were studying. Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And Paul teaches us how to pray for pastors and missionaries. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is how you pray for your pastors, for your life center leaders, house center leaders, and people who teach you the scripture. So we are going to look at the three last weapons here. And then let's read the same Ephesians 6, 17 to 18. In TPT, it says, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a hermit to protect your thoughts from lies. To protect your thoughts from lies. And take this mighty razor sharp spirit sword of the spoken word. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Prayer, pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. So, we go with the, we start with the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now from that TPT, Ephesians 6, 17, you will understand quickly what, is, what it means. It said, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. Embrace, do not, do not, be, do not let anybody deny you, deceive you uh, from believing all the benefits of your salvation. So all those benefits are the things given to you for life and godliness. So he said, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. Full deliverance. That you are free. Set free. The Son has set you free. The Son has healed you. The Son has blessed you. The, all the full benefits of salvation. Embrace it. Like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Because the devil will try to talk you out of them. He will try to, even from pulpits, he will try to talk you out of them. And look at First Thessalonians 5.8. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. He repeats it here. Wearing as a helmet the confidence of your salvation. You must be confident in the works of salvation that Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. Will it be challenged? Of course. The enemy will challenge it, challenge your faith, just to talk you out of it. But here you have to wear that truth to protect your heart, to protect your mind. So, what he's teaching us is that we need to guard 
our heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all earth, for it determines the course of your life. So you be careful what goes into your heart. Be careful. Do not let lies in there. Let the truth of your salvation and all its benefits be in your heart. So now Colossians 3.16 becomes very important. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful heart. Let the message about Christ, not ritualism, not lies, everything that the Holy Spirit reveals to you about Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his ministry right now on your behalf, all of them, you must be familiar with them. If you miss out on any of them, you miss out on the blessing it affords you. Now, the devil is going around showing wrong doctrines to deceive people. First Timothy 4 said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith. Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits, spirits that lure you with power, miracles, things that naturally the, the devil knows will attract you. Promises of this and that and that and that. The Bible said they promised them a lot. But at the end, they're all just empty. See, they themselves are bound. Those promising these things are under the demonic bondage. So they lure you, they seduce you with what they, what they know will attract you. Especially if you, have, if you have challenges in your life. Oh my God, they'll come in droves, prescribing this, prescribing that, prescribing this. But those who know their God shall be strong and they do exploits. So now that's why the devil is, is out there. Speaking, he said, now the Spirit, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the letter then some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with hot eye. These people have no more conscience. They do not have. But they are speaking lies, they are mouthpiece of Satan, and the doctrines they preach is not the good doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we should be like the Berean Christians, Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Look at what they did. And they cite the scriptures daily, not once. It was a daily Many Christians don't read the Bible. They don't read the Bible. They just give it casual, you know. No, they searched it. And the Bible said these were business people, noble men, educated people. They searched the scripture daily. They were studying it. Whether those things were so. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.20. Do not scoff at prophecies. Yes. But. It's not every prophecy that is of God. But. Child of God. There is that but there. But test everything that is said. How do you test it? Take it to the scripture. 
If the scripture does not underline it, does not underscore it by the words of two or three witnesses in scripture, it's not the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit and the Word agree. There's no disagreement between the Holy Spirit and the, and the Word he, he, he inspired through the holy men of God that wrote it. So, he said, but test everything that he said. Do not take things because... So Somebody up, up said it. Who has crowd? I'm noticing. Don't even take it because I said it. Take it because the scripture said it. Take it because the scripture said it. Not every prophecy, not every thought said the Lord is of the Lord. There are false prophecies. The Bible says, but test everything that is said. Then hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil, those ones that are, not, that are not of God. Do not partake of these wrong doctrines of Satan. Why? Because a curse is placed on those who preach them. So you don't partake of that. Galatia 1.8 But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, preach any other gospel, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. I'm repeating it. It's not, it's not a mistake. No, I'm repeating it again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that you have received, let him be accursed. Paul said, I repeat it again. It's not a mistake. I'm telling you people what the consequence of Letting the devil use you to be deceiving people. Jesus said, if you deceive any of these little ones that believe in me, you are better you are not born. So it's not as if Paul is placing a curse on them. No. Paul is telling them exactly the consequence of preaching wrong doctrine. Which Jesus already said. That we are better you are not born. Than you deceive any of these ones. I tell people who teach and preach, be careful what you teach. You answer to God for everything you tell people. Be careful. Don't preach upon presumption. Don't preach about, uh, from popular facts. Don't preach about what you think. Preach what he said. Just, take, just stay with scripture. So you don't start speaking for the devil. Now, let's look at the true gospel to remind ourselves what the true gospel is. Galatians 3.8. What is more? The scriptures looking for, look, now it's quoting scriptures. The scriptures looking forward to this time when God will declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. The true scripture, the true gospel declares that righteousness is a gift given to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't work for it. You don't confess your way into it except you confess the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything that prescribes work for what gives free is a wrong doctrine. The scripture said that salvation is not of works. There is nothing a man is required to do except to believe. Anybody prescribing anything you are supposed to do, that's wrong doctrine. Because what the person is telling you is that the work of the cross didn't achieve what God did. It didn't provide you salvation. So you need to do this to argument it. It is false doctrine. 
So once more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God will declare the Gentiles to be righteous simply because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations shall be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. What was the blessing Abraham received? The Bible said Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith. To be righteous is to be accepted by God. What's a major blessing? It's a major blessing. So we are accepted by God. We are counted righteous by God. If we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the faith of Abraham was counted for him for righteousness. That's what is preaching here. That's the true gospel. Otherwise, you, you, you reduce the value of the, of the death on the cross. Let me read Galatians 3 verse 9. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law now, what men do to make them right with God are under his cause. See why Paul said that cause is upon these people that preach this thing. They're under his cause. <clears throat> For the scripture says, cause is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in the books of this law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God. Nobody can be accepted by God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says it is through faith, through faith that a righteous person has life. So this way of faith, very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. No people read it, they say, oh, they're preaching lawlessness. No, because you don't understand. If you understand, you know that this is more powerful than the law you're talking about. Because this is where God, God gives you his life. By faith in Christ, you receive the life of God. And if you don't have that life of God, tell me how you can live the life that pleases God. Is that life of God in you? That when you begin to believe that you have, it begins to control you. Like Paul said, the love of God, not human love, the love of God controls me now. When you walk in love, you fulfill the demands of God. Love is the fulfillment of everything God demands. The Bible says that we know we we pass from death to life because we love. Because we love. So if you reject the life of Christ and the love it pours into your heart by that presence of the Spirit of Christ, where do you get the love of God to live with? Romans 3.23 For everyone has sinned, we are we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Undeserved kindness. That's what people say. How can God declare us right? Yes, undeserved. That shows the, how merciful God is. Why? Jesus paid for it. He didn't come free. Somebody paid for our sins. Somebody did. Somebody took our place. He didn't, he didn't come free. It comes free to us, but it didn't come free. Somebody paid for it. Yet God with undeserved kindness declared that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus. See what I'm saying? Through Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. The penalty of sin is death. The soul that sinners shall die. That's the penalty of sin. 
But Jesus took our place and died for us and freed us from that penalty of death. Freed us. So gave us life. Once he freed us from that penalty of death, then we were now in good standing to receive life. For God, 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the time past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. So God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he, he, he himself is fair and just and had declared sinners to be right. He declared sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus Christ. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No one begins to put things that we do to be accepted by God. That's not the true gospel. Though. The Holy Spirit says, what can you boast you have done to be accepted by God? He said, no, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith only. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. This is the true gospel. The true gospel. You're counted righteous when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is act of grace. It's unmerited. Received by faith only. It's not of man. Is of God from the beginning to the end, offered to mankind. Romans 4.3. Listen to what the scripture says. This is TPT translation. Because Abraham believed God's word, his faith, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. When people walk, they earn wages. It can be considered a free gift if you work for your salvation. And yet salvation is freely given. Because, because now they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness. I don't know how many times I need to repeat this thing. You cannot earn God's righteousness, God's acceptance. No one. The Bible says if anybody wants to earn it, they're under his cause. Because the blessings come only through Christ. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transferred God's righteousness into our account. I think we should understand it by now. Just a reminder, because if you sit in this church, we preach our heart out explaining this over and over and over and over. Last year, we did it. This year, we taught on the book of Galatia. We taught about this false doctrine that Paul was challenging in writing to the Galatians. We explained it, explained it, explained it by the grace of God. He who has yet to hear, let him hear. Now, the other place that this battle takes place, talking about this wrong infusion of thoughts that is contrary to the word of God, is in our heart. My heart, your heart. So the scripture tells us what to do. Second Corinthians 10.5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. 
I'm bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what you do. That's what I do. Have you never realized that sometimes you start imagining things that I don't even know where it comes from? Before you are lost in that kind of thought. If you are lost, you are lost. You start thinking. Start, you are walking. On, but you are, sometimes you are reading the Bible. You are mind straight. You start imagining something. You know, that's the devil. The devil. The Satan. The devil. Start imagining. You know, sometimes you start wish, wishful, wishful imaginations, and then after the, you feel bad about your life, feel bad about where you are, because the devil has painted a picture to tell you you are finished. You should have been there. Look at you. Look at <laughs> so the Bible says we should cut down such imaginations. And every high thing that it exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, the true knowledge of God. You know, Onyaka was telling us yesterday at Believers Meeting that if you don't have the true knowledge of God, you will inevitably worship idol. Because the God you are worshiping is not going to be the true God of the Bible. And that's true. Absolutely true. That's why the Bible, God said it, he said, he said don't, don't glory in anything except that you know me. Say, let no man glory in anything, no. You glory in this one thing, that you know me. That I'm God that shows mercy and shows justice, delights in mercy and justice. He said, don't glory in anything except that you know me. That you know me. So you worship the true God. And don't worship a false God that the devil has painted for you. A God that kills people, destroys people, because those people don't agree with you. They become your enemies. You pray to God to kill them. That's not the God of the Bible. He said, I glory in mercy. I glory in mercy. I love to show mercy. So every all these things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, you should bring them into captivity. Don't let them rule you, guide you, take over your heart. All those thoughts to the obedience of the word of God to Christ. Now, TPT translates this Second Corinthians 10, 5 to 6 this way. We can demolish. I love the word, man. Demolish <laughs> every deceptive fantasy. See? Fantasy. You start fantasizing about something. Some of them is evil. And you get lost in it. I've said it here again. Don't own those thoughts. If you own them, they start working in your life. It comes like a dot. If you own it, it starts dripping down. Don't own them. Don't yield to them. I always say to myself, I say, <laughs> all these things the devil is showing me. I said, you know, if I, if I think on them and I'm doing them, I'll be serving Satan. So the scripture said that these, these women, these people, they have been taken captive to, by Satan, that they are serving Satan. I said, I'm not going to do what you are putting in my heart because if I do it, I'll be serving you. I'll be, doing, you'll be, you'll, I'll be serving what you do. And you are the one that wanted to kill me. You are the one that what you did to my life. How can I be foolish to serve you? What you did to my life, devil. How can I be that stupid? Because you still have the same intention to destroy my life. Second Corinthians 10, 5, TPT says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God, the true knowledge of God, the true knowledge of God. 
We capture like prisoners of war. Every, yeah, prisoners of war. Every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as they choose complete, and soon as you choose complete obedience to God instead of yielding yourself to the deception that the enemy is putting in your heart. Now, let's talk about, that. this is the weapon of, uh, the weapon, a helmet of salvation. So we have to hold to the, to the truth of our salvation. We have to hold to the truth of the word of the, of the true God as inspired in the Bible. Otherwise, once you are deceived, you are defeated. And the devil likes to deceive us. He's a deceiver. So now let's talk about the battle of the mind. I mean, sorry, the weapon of the sword of the spirit. The weapon of the sword of the spirit, which is the spoken word. The spoken word. You know that words are powerful, but if you don't speak them, nobody will respond to them. If I sit here, and I want you to come here. If I don't tell you, you won't respond. Circumstances don't really respond unless we start speaking. So that's why the, the sword of the word of God is an attack weapon that you start speaking, dismantling things. It dismantles things. It dismantles things. So look at uh, Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say to you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, See, you have to say to the obstacle. You need to command it. You need to speak. It's important. You have to say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart. Long as you believe that what you said will come to pass, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has spoken shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he said. Whatever you can speak to, mountains. You can speak to sicknesses. By God's grace, I cause sicknesses. I speak to them. If I have any any of these symptoms, I cause it. I don't waste time. Oh, I don't wait for it to grow big. No, no, right there, I say, I cause you in the name of Jesus. I cause life out of you. And I command you to get out of my life. Perhaps you speak to the mountain moose. Though it's a mountain, Beginning to grow. No, you're not going to grow here. This body is bought with a price. Are you kidding me? You're not, I'm not allowing you. The scriptures say, what is over? I disallow you. I'm not allowing you, devil. Take your eyes off my body in Jesus' name. Get out. It works for me all the time. Because Jesus told us so, that you will have what you say. So if you keep your mouth shut, they climb all over you. And you will complain. <laughs> Oh man, they run all over you. And they're wicked. They're very wicked. So we need to speak the word to mountains. Release it by saying it. That's a sword. A sword goes out to swing. You don't leave it in the shit. This shit? Yeah, shit. But you have to pull it out. So the word of God has to come out of your mouth. Joshua 1.8 This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth. God is say it. Say it. Speak it out. And do not change what you are saying. Because it's a battle. Boxers, when you hit them, 
They try to change and hit you back. The enemy tries to hit us back. That's why Christians don't understand. He tries to fight back. So you get ready. It's a, that's a battle. It's a battle. So he hits you back. You say the more. Look at the blind Bartimaeus. He was, he was calling on Jesus. They told him to shut up. The Bible said he shouted the more. That's what we do. You shout the more. You speak the more. If you are speaking it once, you speak it seven times. Keep saying it. Because it's a battle. Remember that the things that happen to you speak to you. They do speak to you. You know, so we should hold fast. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Keep saying what God said without wavering. Don't waver. Don't put back your sword and say it's not working. If you say so, they defeat you. It's working. You may not see the result immediately, but keep doing it. If you endure, you wear the crown. You wear the crown. So let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. So let's look at the example right here. Look at what the scripture tells us in Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. You're, you're keeping quiet, my friend. What do you, to condemn is to, is to deny that in power, to, to say, no, you're not going to work. I remember, I wasn't even a Christian. I think I was doing my, forgotten what I was doing, ABU teaching hospital. I was traveling to, I was traveling to the east to see my wife. Then, well, you know, I had paid dowry, so I was, every two weeks I would drive, drive down from Kaduna to Soka. It didn't mean anything to me. I loved it. So one prophet came and told me, say, you have accident. He said, I saw this thing that you are going to have accident. I turned around to him and said, you will have the accident, not me. As I'm telling you, you are going to have accident, not me. Do you know on my way as I was traveling? I started feeling sleepy. So I parked the car on the side and slept with my seat and slept. When I came back from that trip, that prophet had accident. I think my wife can testify. That prophet had accident. I didn't let it stick to me. No, no, no. Say, no, I'm not the one. You have the accident. I, I didn't even know this thing. I didn't even know why I said it. Well, but you know, now I will not tell him that he will have the accident. Now I will say, no, I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to put it back on him. No, but I'm going to deny that thing, that word, a place in my heart, a place in my life. I'm going to condemn it and say, no, it's not for me. I'm not going to have any accident at all. The Lord has sent his angels, giving them charge against me. Just lest I dash my foot against the stone. How are you kidding me? My life is safe in Christ. No weapon found against me shall prosper. No evil shall come near my dwelling. Yeah, you, 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 you give it back, but not, not to the person. Because you're not fighting flesh and blood. But you know the spirit that's saying that thing. So you, you speak to that spirit. He may not understand, but you speak to that spirit. Speak to that spirit. And again, if you, if you, if you speak to, start speaking to people, you can create an environment of scuffles, exchange. Of, both of you start exchanging words there. You look like mad people. So instead of you having victory, not only have you sold their testimony, but they are saying things that will also hurt you. So these things you, you, you do with wisdom. Depending on where you are, you could say it with, in a way that is respectful. I say, no, I'm a Christian. I will not have an accident because no evil shall come near my dwelling. So that's what I believe. That's what the Bible said. And thank you for what, but I won't have accident. 
Don't worry about it. If you are in a school board and they're talking about your children, you don't exchange words. They are not the ones that's your problem. You step out into your car, you speak to those, you, you say the same, you say what you believe right in your car. So you don't create any argument to give the devil opportunity to cause strife right there. No. Wisdom is, is key, like we said last week. He said, he said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. See, because it's counted as righteous, we belong to him. So this is our heritage. A heritage is what belongs to you. What belongs to you, to condemn it. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 44. And the Philistines said to David, now the Philistines talk to us. Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then that's, that's the Philistine declaring cause. The Bible says it cost David in the name of his God. And so it's you know, declaring what will happen to David. Now here David pull out his sword and go to battle. Then David they said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's it, people. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We lift up the name of Jesus. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philippines, Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, unto the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly we know that the Lord saveth not with sword, spear, for the battle is the Lord's, he will give into our hands. And that's what happened. Here's another example. Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are no offense unto me, for thou severest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. See, Peter was speaking, motivated by demonic spirits. And Jesus said this to teach us that demonic spirits can talk to you through even Christians. The devils motivate Christians. Devils preach sermons. But it's going to be off the truth. It's going to take you off Christ and put you more on you and what you do and all those things. And then you become the strength of your life. And you go and fail anyway. So when you hear words that are motivated by demons, please do not insult people. You are not fighting flesh and blood. You can, you can fight back in a way that will prevent, you know, uh, insulting people, causing trouble. Then the devil uses you to cause trouble. No. You can say, okay, I heard what you said, but I believe the scripture. This is what the scripture says. And I believe that this is my portion. It's my heritage. My righteousness is of God. He has accepted me in Christ. So I have access to all his blessings. All these things are mine. And another this topic is exercising your God-given authority over demons. Mark 16, 17. And this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. 
They shall speak with new tongues. So casting out devils is what all Christians must do. There's no group that has it as a special gift. In my name, this sign shall follow them that believe. If you are believed, this sign ought to follow you. In my name shall they cast out devils. When he shows up, you cast the thing out. You, there's no question I'm going to be talking with him. <laughs> you don't talk with the devil. You don't. You don't allow demons to talk to you. If they talk to you, you command them to shut up. In Jesus' name. That's what our Lord did. When they start talking, they say, shut up. And they all shut up. Command them to shut up. Command them to cl- close their mouth. Don't engage in, you, if you do that, you already started failing. Don't do that. Because you, you, can't, get, you can't win them by conferencing, by discussion. They're not, they're not for that. They want to do what they want to do. So whatever they say is a lie. So you don't want to hear that. So you tell them in Jesus' name, you keep your mouth shut, quiet. You don't talk here. Because remember, you reign on earth. You are the boss there. You are God's ambassador there. You are Christ's ambassador right there. It's in you that the spirit of God lives. The spirit of Christ lives, the greater one. So you are the one in charge of that situation. So you have to know that you have that authority to speak in the name of Jesus and demand, demand that the devil get out. You, need, you can demand that things change. You can demand change according to the will of God. That's what Jesus told us, John 14, 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that I would do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, people read this, they think he's talking of, of prayer. No. Because he told us that we should not pray to him. So he cannot tell us not to pray to him and turn around and say, you pray to me. No. He's talking about whatever you demand, any demand you make in my name, I, Jesus, we see to it that it works. That's a great promise Christians should rejoice about. Remember, he told us in, in some scriptures that we should not pray. He said, I say not that you pray to me. Don't ask me anything. You ask the Father in my name. Because he loved you with the same love he loves me. So this verse is not talking about asking him anything. It's about whatsoever you shall ask in my name that I will do. But when it comes to prayer, he said that the Father will do. I will do it. That the Father may be glorified. In the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. <clears throat> Just like uh, Peter saw the, 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 the lame man, he said, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He demanded it. He didn't pray. He said, rise, rise up. Jesus Christ, I made you whole. Rise up and walk. He said, demand. Now, to show you that that's what he's talking, he's not talking about prayer here. Look at John 16, 23. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. See? See, you're not going to pray to me now. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he, the Father, will give it to you. He that you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. So, so it differentiates prayer from our demanding a change in his name. That's part of the sword you can use. You, you speak it, speak out your privilege, and it will work for you. That is, if you believe, if you really believe, if you really believe that that name works, 
Now, the third weapon that we're talking about, we've talked about the weapon of a, a, a helmet of salvation, the weapon of the sword of the spirit. Now we're talking about the weapon of prayer. Ephesians 6.18, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You see, praying, praying always with all manner of prayers and supplication in the spirit. Supplication is heartfelt prayer with all your heart. So Paul says that part of our weapon is praying always. And that's what we said, think on Thursday, that when you are facing challenges, you need to pray. Don't, don't, don't lazy about. Things don't just drop on your laps. You need to pray. So we must understand that we do not, and then we do not even know how to pray well in the circumstance because we, may, we don't even understand how God wants to handle this. I was talking about asking God for guidance and wisdom. So the Bible tells us in Romans 8.26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know what, to, what we should pray as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. So we don't know how to pray as we ought to. So the, the wisest thing is to depend on the Holy Spirit to inspire your prayer when you are engaged in a warfare. And that means you need to really develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So you understand how he inspires you, how he moves you, how he communicates with you. If you are ignorant of these things, you miss out. And you go to friends and start chatting and talking and taking advice from people. Except your counselor, the Holy Spirit. You need to be inspired. We need wisdom to win battles of life. Serious wisdom. Because his ways are not our ways. His instructions can surprise you. Can surprise you. So now, when it comes to prayer, the prayer that we ought to pray, the prayer that, that is... is, is that he inspires for that moment, for that, because sometimes you, you think you need to do this, but he inspires you to do the opposite. Because it's what inspires that works. Remember that if you do what he says, the battle becomes his own. But if you do what you want, the battle is yours. The only way the battle becomes his is when you allow him guide you as your commander. When he inspires you as your commander. When you put your faith in the guiding spirit, Holy Spirit, put your faith in Christ, put your faith in his word, the battle becomes his because he's bound to make good on his word. But if you are deceived and you start doing rituals, start doing this is how they do it, this is who this and they people, you, your battle is yours because you took it, over, took it out of his hands. So look at what Habakkuk said. I will stand upon my watch Habakkuk, what are you watching for? And set me upon the tower. And we watch to see what he will say unto me. I want to know how he's inspiring me to move forward. And what I shall answer when I'm, I'm reproved. And the Lord answered me. Then the Lord now answered him because he was watching. He was waiting. He said, Lord, I don't have wisdom. I don't know how to pray as I ought to. I need you to inspire me. I need to, what kind of prayer 
will you want me to pray in this situation? Now the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that he may run that read it. He said, now, write what I'm telling you. If he wasn't seeking God for that, he wouldn't get it. Sometimes, you know, the, the life center we had was awesome. I recommend that life center teaching to every Christian. It drives some very important things about waiting, trusting God in patience. Because impatience is one of the ways that the enemy drives us off what God is in. When we stand in patience like Habakkuk, God will instruct you. Sometimes he will tell you, wait, don't move, stay there. There's nothing wrong, stay. You really don't even know why things are happening. We don't know a lot. He knows everything. That last one teaching, I will recommend it to every Christian. In fact, I thought of sending it to everybody, you know, to read it. That's why I should be in the life center, be in the Sunday school. Because God is also teaching. You know? So we need to know that the Holy Spirit is the one that inspires the appropriate prayer in your situation. If you let him. Now, James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Who are the humble? The humble are those who trust in him, who said, I can of my own do nothing. It's what to inspire that I do. Those who submit, they give grace to them. He said, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Submit yourself to God. Don't take charge. Don't live on your own terms. Fight on his own terms. Fight on his own terms. That's only when the battle is his own. You can lose if the battle is his own. You can lose. I don't care what happens. You can lose. Submit yourself to God. Then when you have done this, then you cannot resist the devil and he will free from you. Then he told us, draw near to God in, in prayer. You draw near to God in prayer. He will come close to you. Draw near to God. Now, let's look at different type of prayer that the Holy Spirit reveals to the church that we can pray. Number one is praying in the Spirit, which the Bible recommends very highly. What is praying in the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 14.2 For he that speaketh in a known tongue speaketh not to men. You see, when you are praying in the Spirit, you are not speaking to men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, Habit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. You see why these mysteries are not known to your human understanding, but they are relevant to your situation. The spirit of God inspires them. First Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, it's your spirit, the born again spirit, the one that lives when you die, that goes to heaven. That one that lives when you die, that goes to heaven. That one that is housed by your body. This body is just a temple. The one that lives is the one. That's how you know. That's how you really know you're born again. Because you see, this why that, that's why the, the tongues and interpretation is only for this dispensation. It was not in the old dispensation. Because nobody was born again until Christ died and was buried and rose again. Nobody was. Nobody received life. 
And therefore, nobody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So people think that John the Baptist, the scriptures say, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, but that was not baptism. Because John the Baptist was not born again. He couldn't speak in tongues. He didn't have a living spirit. God put his spirit on people to use them to do things. But that's, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't come until the day of Pentecost. Nothing happened like that before. It was at, when Jesus left that the day of Pentecost arrived and the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. That's when he started to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. It's an experience for the New Testament. All those Old Testament saints that the Spirit of God will come upon this, he will say, that that's not baptism. Yeah, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. He used them to do things. Remember, remember God used an animal to talk. God does things by his Spirit. He uses his Spirit to do things. It is his Spirit that does things. So if the Spirit wants to, if he wants to use you, he will, that Spirit will take a hold of you and make you do things. You remember there was, there was a, a high priest that prophesied about Jesus. The Bible said he didn't even know what he was talking about. But he was prophesying that it is good that one should die for all. The Spirit took a hold of him. He was prophesying, but he didn't even know what he was talking about. For if I pray in an tongue, my spirit, the born again spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, inspired by the Holy Spirit, prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. So your mind, your mind doesn't understand but Paul said, look, you can pray for that, that you can interpret your prayer. You can ask God that I have done it and God showed me. When I, God, I, 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 I found I couldn't stop praying. I said when I slept on it for two days. I said, something must be serious here. So I said to the Lord, I wish I would know what I'm praying for. And in a dream, in a revelation, he showed me what it is. I was a very dangerous thing the enemy has planned for me. God showed it to me. Everything. If that thing has succeeded, I won't be alive now. God showed it to me everything. I said, oh my God, this is what I'm praying for. Two days. So you can pray to interpret it. You can ask God, I need to know what I'm praying for. He will show you. Now, the Holy Spirit recommends praying in the, in the Spirit a lot. For Christians. Jude one twenty. But you, my delightful love friends, constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. It's highly recommended. It builds it it it, it exercises your born again spirit. It builds you up. It makes him walk in your life and it helps you to have him be the dominant factor, the dominant personality in your life. And then number again is that 1 Corinthians 2, 11 says, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. And even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. So you don't know the perfect will of God concerning your situation, only the Holy Spirit. So if you, if you inspire the prayer, then you are praying the perfect will of God in that situation. Now let's talk about the prayer of praise. Hebrews thirteen fifteen, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. 
continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Our lips, continually. Not you praise today, you grumble tomorrow, you murmur tomorrow. It's continually. First Thessalonians 5.17. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Why? Philippians 3.1 says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you lose your joy, lose your praise, you lose strength. Your faith is compromised. So you see, it's a, a great weapon to fight. Praise. You may not feel like it, but you start. You start worshiping. You start praising. You start singing. And then you avoid all these unbelieving believers. There are many. It's shocking. It's shocking how the level of unbelief that exists in the body of Christ. It's unbelievable. Rejoice in the Lord. So I say it so that I safeguard your faith. If you lose that rejoicing, if you lose that spirit of praise, your joy goes, your strength goes, your faith is affected. You lose the battle. Prayer of praise. Powerful. And again, God is, God is fearful in praises. Mighty in praises. When you praise him, he rises to that thing. God is what you, he will act what to call him, what to believe him for. Now let's talk about prayer of consecration or submission to the will of God. This prayer is extremely useful. Oh, it's so wonderful prayer. You pray it all the time. It's amazing what it can do, how your life can be transformed when you pray prayer of consecration most of the time. Especially if you are in a, if you are in a challenge, prayer of consecration is, is so helpful because when you pray it, God can reveal to you the things that you are doing that is helping the enemy. You know, our mind, sometimes we think I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I, I read, I heard from a brother who had a heart heart surgery. They were giving him a new, no, two lungs, lungs, a new lungs. Yeah. So he said, he said that. Halfway through the thing, that he left his body and was watching them. And when he left, he had them say, one, one heart, one, one lung has, has been done, has entered. So they were trying to put, put the second one. So he simply left the body. So he was there watching them. I said, I left and began to go up. And while he went up, he came to the presence of Jesus. And the Lord told him, he said, Will you forgive so, 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 so? He said, yeah, Lord, I will. He said, when I said that, he now took me into the presence of the Lord. So I didn't see God, but I came, I knew I was in his presence. But he now told me, he said, you, should, you are going back to the earth. He said, the thing that shocked me is that when I came back to the earth, they were resuscitating my body. And I just went in and there was, there was life there. And then when they weighed me out, he said he wasn't, I see you. And then by the time that uh, they allowed people to come, his best friend traveled a distance to come and see him. And then he came and he said, he said to him, I had, I had an experience I want to confirm with you. 
He said, as they were doing that surgery, the Lord told me that you have, you have left and you are with him. He said, I, was, I didn't know what to do and I couldn't call your wife, which means you passed away. And then he said, after some time, the Lord told me he's back. He said, did you have any experience? And I said, yeah, exactly, that will happen to me. He said, I got confirmed it to somebody in another city. He said, that was a piece I left. Why do I saw them? They said, one, had, one, one lung has been put. They were putting the other one or whatever. He said, I just left. And when I came back, they were resuscitating me, all of them. He said, I just entered and boom. And I was laughing again. And see, he said, if anybody told me that I did not forgive that brother, I, I would argue. I would say I did. But the Lord knows that I didn't. That's why David's prayer is awesome. He says, search me, O Lord, and see. You can't be the judge of your own. You know, you can judge yourself, but let God, let God to God and be humble. Be humble. And say to the Lord, I don't want to <laughs> live in assumption. I'm all before you, Lord. Put your searchlight. Tell me what you see about me. How do you see me? You see, those things can be hindrances that is blocking you. But your heart can deceive you. You think, you make it to, just cover it up and be, you know. So prayer's consecration is very, very awesome. Very, very awesome. Why you go to the Lord and consecrate your life and say, Lord, I surrender. I can of my own do nothing. This life is all yours. If there's anything that I'm doing wrong in this my life, show me. I don't want to assume. That's pride. I want, I'm naked before you. Know me. Tell me the truth. Tell me, Lord, how do you see me? Is there anything that's given the enemy intruding to my life? If you are sincere, he will show you. But you know, sometimes we don't want to know the truth. And we, even though we're asking, but somehow inside we still don't want because we love that thing. We want to keep it on. And he knows everything. So he will keep quiet. He won't talk to you. First Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. See? To sanctify holy is to be set to set apart. Set you apart. Brethren, we are the called out ones. We are the ones set apart for his glory. We don't have anything in this world. We are not, we have the world, we are not of this world. We've been set apart. Completely set apart. But he says that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you. Who will do it? See the prayer of consecration. You see what is so important to Paul, he's preaching to the church about. It's not the material things of this world. It's the spiritual things. But when you are really spiritually strong, then you know how to pray and get things that you need. That God will, he said, God is one that does this thing. So that's why I'm praying to him. That's why I'm praying to him. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace, this, you know, I pray this prayer of consecration over the church every Sunday. And then that's why the Lord told me, he said, I want you to pray this prayer of consecration over them. He said, those who hear it, he said, keep praying, keep praying, just keep praying, don't give up. That's why I come and do it. I don't do it because I'm the senior power, I do it because God instructed me. 
Hebrews 13, 20. He said, now the God of peace that brought again, this one I pray sometimes to, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting God, make you perfect, you see? In every good work, to do his will. That's prayer of consecration. Walking in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. You can see another prayer of consecration in 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 to 17. That one we also pray here. So you can always pray this prayer of consecration for yourself, If the Spirit inspires it, again, remember we said that Paul said pray with all prayers. So the, one, the prayer that you need to pray is the one that the Spirit has inspired that is needed at the moment. Now, prayer of intercession, prayer of supplication. Now, because sometimes Christians are confused about supplication and intercession. Yeah, and then they are confused because the, the people who translate the Bible, theologians, translate the Bible from theological Bible college point of view. Many of them don't have revelation. So I go back to 18-something to read these scriptures. 18-20-something 18, Bible. 20, I have a nuanced dictionary, 18-something, 18-26 dictionary. I go back there. And I listen to someone's preach 100, 150 years back. People, men, those people, things have been diluted. So supplication... Intercession is different from supplication. They're not the same. In a sense, intercession is supplication for the sinner who is an enemy of God. You cannot intercede for a Christian. Let me say it again. Intercession is a go between two people who have a case. A Christian has no case with God. What are you interceding? You who is interceding for you. Jesus is our go between. You have no case with God. You've been, give, you've been righteous. You are righteous. You accepted. You can't, be, you can't come between me and God. There's nothing else between me and God. My sins are washed away. I can go to God as long as you can, as much as you can go. But you can intercede for the sinner who hates God, who is an enemy of God, who is not righteous before God. You can, that's why we are priests of God. Priests go to, to God on behalf of the people. First Timothy 2.1. Exhort therefore that first of all, supplications. See, it's a precedent. Prayers, intercession, giving of thanks, be made for all men. Supplication, prayers. Why prayers? Prayers because there are all manner of prayers out there that the scripture teaches us. The one that the Holy Spirit inspired. But supplication, number one. Why supplication? Supplication is praying for saints. With all your heart. Like all this prayer of consecration were read, Paul was praying. That's supplication. Look at, uh, look at uh, Ephesians 6.18, which we read. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. For all saints. It's for saints. And for me, that all times may be given to me. It, supplication is for saints, for all saints. Now, let me go back to intercession. First Peter 2 1. Two, I thought, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men, saints, 
supplication, sinners, intercession, prayers, for all men, as the Spirit inspires you, could be praying in the Spirit, could be praying, worshiping, as the Spirit inspires you. For kings, for all that are in authority, that they may lead their, that may lead their quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So we intercede for people to know Christ. But we supplicate for saints of God. We intercede. A go between two people who have issues. Sinners are enemies of God, haters of God. They are not righteous. So we, inter- we intercede for them because we go to God. We have access to God. But you pray, prayer of supplication for saints. You pray for your brother, you pray for your sister. You are not interceding, you are supplicating in love, praying for the needs and everything to be met as the Spirit inspires you. Mostly spirit, Paul praying for the church, for instance. So you see that a brother that's passing through a situation, the Spirit can inspire you to join in that battle by praying prayer of supplication for him. That's why it's one of the apostles who pray with all prayers. Prayers. All prayers. Now, prayer of agreement. This one is where Christians are problem. They go and say, agree with me, I'm going for a job. That's not prayer of agreement. If it's prayer of agreement, have you prayed now? There has to be prayer now. How can you have prayer of agreement? You didn't pray. Bro, I'm going for an interview. Agree with me that it work. Have you prayed? No. So is it prayer? Agree with me. Is that prayer? No, it's not prayer. <clears throat> Matthew 18, 19. Again, I saw unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask. You must ask. Two of you must ask something. That's why it's prayer. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So if you are praying prayer of agreement, there have to be something two of you ask. Pray. That's why it's called prayer of agreement. So when you pray, one person prays. Two of you can't be praying together. One person prays and the other is listening. So you ask him if he agrees with what you are praying, that God has had it. And then once you people agree that God has had it, then both of you thank God that it is done then you go. You will not pray about it again. It's an agreement. If you pray about it again, you rip the agreement to pieces. An agreement is an agreement. Jesus said, I'm there with you. Once you pray about it, take it off your mind, go your way. It works. But if you pray and tomorrow you go and be looking whether it's working and looking, you are ripping the agreement. It's not agreement at all. You have disagreed already in doubt. You have to agree in faith. Be in faith together and agree that God has answered us. You go your way. So for you, for you to pray this prayer effectively, two of you need to sit down and, and discuss scripture upon which you are standing, from which your faith is coming. You don't just go to anybody and say, let's pray for our agreement. People who don't know about faith may not be able to stand with you in faith. You need to pray with, take scriptures, share it, say, bro, 
This is scripture I'm standing on. Share it together. Tell me what you think. Let's see what you think. Okay. Can we pray based on this? This is what we're asking. Yep. Okay, you pray. I will listen. Sometimes if you praise and your spirit, you tell him, mm, I don't agree. Don't pretend. I don't agree with this one. This is what I agree. So you have to agree on what you're asking. When you pray now and you say, you now believe that God has had us. Yes, I believe. So cannot thank God together and go your way. That's part of agreement. Now that's united prayer. This congregation, they call it congregational prayer. You know, surprising thing is that there is no place in the Bible that the, the, the disciples ever prayed and we were told uh, Brother Paul to lead them in prayer. <laughs> you can't find it. Surprising. No place they say, Sister Mike, Sister Jeanette, can you lead us? There's no place. I can't find it. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but I can't find it. But what I found is that they all pray together. That's what I found. So in Acts chapter 4, 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. So all of them with one accord. That's what I found here. I didn't say, okay, uh, brother, brother, uh, brother James, lead us in prayer. No. See, prayer of agreement, one prays, the other person listens. But in congregational prayer, everybody, you give the prayer topic, you explain it so that everybody's faith will rise up. You give a scripture. And so they went and said, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what the Bible says. And the Bible said they lifted up their voice in one accord. They knew what they were praying for. They knew the scripture. They are backing them. And the whole situation was explained to them. So they lifted up their voice in one accord. And when they, and when they had that, they had what the elders had told them. They lifted up their voice with one accord and said, it was such unity of the spirit that what they said was like one voice. That the Holy Spirit was able to put down this is what they said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. Which means they were speaking inspired by God. So that there was this unity, that their voice they're asking could be, could be distilled into one sentence. And they were many, inspired by the Spirit of God. It's not flesh. Some people are praying, some people are wondering, sleeping. No, everybody. United prayer, congregational prayer. The prayer of casting your cares upon the Lord. First Peter 5, 7. Cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. You do this once. You do it once. He says, casting the whole of your care all your anxieties and all your worries and all your concerns once and for all on him. He said, give me your burdens. Let me give you rest. So you don't cast it and go take it back. Why? Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12 For the, the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I, am, for I know whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed into his hand, against that day. You should know in whom you believe. And know that if you take this thing, you don't know what to do. The thing is harassing you. You just committed it to his hand. The Holy Spirit says he's able to handle it. 
if you let him. So it's called prayer of committing things into his hand, prayer of commitment or casting your cares upon the Lord, which First Peter very clearly teaches us about. So we've talked about weapon of, weapon of um, salvation, the helmet of salvation, and then uh, followed by, um, by uh, praise, you know, I mean the word of God, word of God, word of God, sword of the spirit, finally by prayers. Those three weapons, we have concluded that particular uh, chapter of Ephesians. Let me pray, and then we'll talk about healing. Very interesting. Father, we just want to thank you again for what you shared with us. These weapons, you told us we should put them on, all of them, so we can stand in the days of evil, because days of evil do come. Father, I pray that you help us to really, really, really believe your word, to walk by faith. There's no other way we live this Christian life except by faith, so that we can see the glory of God in our lives. So we can see that the word of God really works. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's go to talk about healing. We have 19 minutes to talk about healing. <clears throat> now, if, you, if you're really not interested in God, the scriptures and things, uh, this can't help you. I'm not joking. <laughs> it can't help you. You need to have interest. You need to really have interest. You need to open your ears to hear. You need to. If you're not interested, this will not help you. It's not, it's not something you say, make I've joined them. Forget about it. You need to be there and open your ears to hear. The Bible said Lydia was listening and God opened her eyes, her ears. You must be interested in these scriptures because the word was sent to heal you. So let's start from the assignment we gave last week. We gave two scriptures and said, meditate on it three times a day. Speak them to yourself three times a day. Now, if you're not interested in doing these assignments, you might as well stop. Because there's no work. I don't have any other way except the word of God. If you're interested, it will work for you. So we said Isaiah 53, 4. Surely our sicknesses he had borne, and our pains he had carried them. Our sicknesses, sicknesses he had borne, our pains he has carried them. So we don't carry them. That's, he says, surely... Our sicknesses are born. The pains are carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plagued. Jesus was plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The testament of our peace, the thing that will take away your peace, it was on him. And by his bruise, we have been healed. This is the word of God. So this scripture really refers to the Lord Jesus coming to heal us. Coming to heal us, which he, which he uh, consummated on the cross, but he demonstrated it before the cross. And Matthew was quoting this scripture. That's why this scripture is about healing. That's what it's about. Because in Matthew 8, 8 14, and when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, cast out the spirits with his word. His word. We heal you. Deliver his word. 
and healed all that were sick, that they might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare sicknesses. So you see that, that Isaiah 53, 4, is really saying surely, yes, that he took our sicknesses. Some translations say he took our weaknesses. No, no. Matthew said, himself took our sicknesses and bore our pains. That's what Isaiah prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bare sickness. Infirmity is sickness. So that's what it is. Jesus came and healed them in mass and, and to show that I came to heal you. I came to bring you healing. So on the cross, he, he, that was another mass one on the healing. Where healing was provided a mass. Now the other scripture that we said we should, we should meditate upon, confess and put your name there. Say, it's Psalm 103 from verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his soul in him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. By meditating on this, you are reminding yourself of the benefits you've gotten from Christ, the Lord. All his benefits, they don't change. All his benefits. Benefits you got from Jesus from his death, burial, and resurrection. All his benefits. What are his benefits? Number one, who forgives all my iniquities. So you put it the way I do, Peter. He forgives all my iniquities. Why? The blood of Jesus speaks for me. The blood washes me. The Bible says we have been, we have been set free from the penalty of sin. Penalty of sin is death. But Jesus died for us. So, I don't, I'm not that penalty of sin anymore. What did I have? I have a gift of life. And when I mean life, I mean life in abundance. And the life that he gave me is not the life that is sick. Why? Because the life he gave me is good and perfect. The Bible says all good gifts and perfect gifts come from God. If I receive the abundant life from Jesus, then that life is good, is healthy, is perfect, and you are justified to have it because Jesus has paid your penalty of death and sickness and everything that causes death. Redeemed us from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? The soul that sinned shall die. Who died for me? Jesus. How can you pay double? He said, I have the gift of life. So he said, don't, don't, don't forget his benefits. He has paid your, for your, he has forgiven your sins because he paid for it. And because he has forgiven your sins, see the next one he says happens there. He says, who heals all your diseases? Why? Because the penalty of sin is dead. When Jesus paid for my sin, he paid for it. I don't have anything. I don't owe debt in it. I don't owe sin any debt. Then I'm, I'm opened now to a life that is well. So that's why he said, number one, who forgiveth your, your iniquities and now heals your diseases. Four, who redeems, you see, redemption. Who redeems your life from destruction? You are not under the penalty of sin no more. He redeemed you from destruction of death, which is penalty for sin. Redeemed us from the kingdom of darkness. Brought us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus. He redeemed me. I always put me, my life from destruction. 
Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy? Why? His, his mercy will never depart from me. And it is the lost mercy I am not consumed. Who satisfied my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles? Of course, for the blessings of Abraham are mine. I'm no more under the curse of the law. So we said we should, you should meditate on these scriptures morning, afternoon, evening. Confess it to yourself. Put your name there. Make own it, own it, own it. Like this one, I say, surely my sicknesses he had borne. My pains, he has carried them. And we have the same thing plagued and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced for my transgression. Remember, he died for me. So I have forgiveness. And the penalty of sin is dead, it's been paid. So he was pierced for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities, the transgression of my peace on him, and by his bruise, there's healing for me. You know? So you make it, you make it, you possess it, you own it. As you do this morning, afternoon, night. You know, so see in Matthew 9 from verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. They brought him a, a man sick of palsy, lying on a bed. Lying on a bed, sick of palsy. Lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven thee. Hmm? Oh, I thought Jesus would say to him, You are healed. No, he said, First of all, your sins are forgiven. And because your sins are forgiven, you, healing is yours too. Say, so Your sins are forgiven. Thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your heart now? For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins are forgiven you, or to say to him, Arise and walk. Which one is easy? It's all the same thing. If I tell you your sins are forgiven, you should get up and go. Because the penalty of sin is death. That, that sin walking death right there. And if the sins are forgiven, life starts walking. He's free. He's healed. He said, which one is easy? Okay, I can tell him, rise up and go. Or I tell him, your sins are forgiven you. Because when your sins are forgiven, you can go. You are healed. The same time. The same time. People of God, read the Bible. The same time. For whether it's easier to say that sins be forgiven thee, or to arise and walk. He says, okay. Let's, let's, let's say, but that you may know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. Let me prove to you his sins are genuinely forgiven. Then said he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go home unto the house. The man rose up and went home. He said, I want to prove to you his sins are forgiven. So arise, go home. Friends, forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities? And tells you, Arise, go home. And healeth all thy, all thy diseases. Arise, go home comes with your sins are forgiven. James 5.15 And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he hath committed sin they shall be forgiven him. <laughs> Look how he's joining. He said he, when he's raised up it means his sins are forgiven. 
Then he said, look, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed too. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Now, why he's telling them to confess their sins is that there are certain things in our lives that can hinder us from exercising our feet, from enjoying the benefits of our forgiveness that Jesus achieved for us on the cross. Anything that will hinder your faith, you should do away with it. Number one on that list, see what lack of faith does. Hebrews 3.12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. That is number one sin. Evil heart, evil, cause it evil. Evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And not agreeing with God, not agreeing with the gospel, not agreeing with these things that the world is telling you. The Bible calls it evil. It's sin. Evil heart. Hebrew 4.2. For unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. But the world priest did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that had it. Evil heart. We hinder your faith. We hinder you from receiving. If you have evil heart, you tell God, confess it to God and say, Lord, I've not believed your word, but now I believe it. Let me show you another thing. Second on the list. It's unforgiveness. It will hinder you from, hinder your faith from walking. Your faith won't walk. Faith John 2.11. But he that hated his brother is in darkness. Walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because the darkness had blinded his eyes. You know, pride, <laughs> pride blinds us from repentance. Because pride will make you think you're okay. Pride is a dangerous thing. It blinds people's spiritual eyes. It makes you think you're okay. That's not for me. I remember I was going to preach somewhere when we were planting church in Lambasa. Lambasa, very far from Yaba where I lived. And we live very early on Sunday. So fishermen were the people we were preaching to. So we go very early when they are coming from, you know, you know very early. So I, I left too early that day. And my wife was telling me, you left too early. It's too early. I said, no. I said, I'm going. I have to be there. And she said, honey, why don't you wait? On? I said, no, 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 no. So I was going, I realized I left too early. If you know the distance I'm telling you. So I entered into one church to join them in service to wait. As I was there, somebody began to talk about, you know, those who don't, uh, who don't respect their wife, don't honor their wives. I said, my husband, that, I said, this is a kind of church. That's the kind of thing they do. The Lord said to me, that's why I brought you here. You are one of them. This is a true story. So that's why I stopped you, brought you here. You are one of them. So your wife was telling you something. You didn't respect her. You were so proud. So is that my spirit? So I brought you here, and here you came condemning everybody. You are so proud. Pride will stop your faith from walking. So it's uh, unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness is a, is a brother of pride. It's ego. Say go. Somebody like me. See what they told me. They did to me. Say go. Say you walk in darkness. How can your faith walk? Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, 
may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. It's as simple as that. James 2.13, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejected against judgment. Why is it so? Matthew 7.1, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which God, by which you will be judged. So if you judge people that they don't deserve forgiveness, God says the same standard you get, you don't deserve forgiveness either. Now, when you don't get the forgiveness, you don't get the healing. Now you deny yourself the privilege of the healing that God Christ died for you to have. Matthew 7 12. So then, whatever you desire that others will do to you, do to and for you. Even so, do also to and for them. For this is the sum up, this is sums up the law and the prophets of God. Period. What you sow, go repeat back. So forgiveness is very important. Then works of darkness. What is work of darkness? Works of darkness is living in all these sinful things, living in the flesh. That is not work of light. That is not prescribed by the word of God. The word of God is light. Anything not prescribed by the word of God is darkness. Works of darkness. When you walk in the works of darkness, your faith will not work. It will hinder your faith effectively. Ephesians 5.11 and have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness. It's unfruitful. There's no fruit that comes from it. But rather reprove them. So you can't be fellowshipping with unfruitful work of darkness and expect your faith to work. But rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Then the other one is now dead works. Yeah, this one we do. Dead works we, we do thinking that, thinking that it, is, it will attract God's favor. A lot of ritualism going on. Faith is so low. So we substitute it with rituals. Thinking that if I do this by 1 a.m., do this by this, do this, do this, do this, that then we gain divine favor. Why did Jesus now? Is he not the one that paid for it all? So John, John chapter 16, John 16, verse 2, says, they shall put you, put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. We do some things we think it is God's service. It is not. That's why you need the scripture. You need to follow the scripture. You need guidance of the Holy Spirit. And these things will they do unto you. Why? Because they have not known the Father nor me. They don't have the accurate knowledge of God, so they don't know what God likes and what, how God works. So they think all these rituals they do is how they get divine favor and divine blessings. That's backyard business, because everything that you have comes through Christ, not through rituals. When you exclude Christ, you're on your own. But people do them. People do them in droves. They have miracles and miracles. Mirac miracles without Christ Jesus? Nobody coming to the Father except through Christ. You can't make Jesus and your rituals. You cannot. So these are the things that we need to really do and then, um, and then make sure that we don't hinder our faith. Now the reason that we need to confess this word 
three times a day, meditate on them, is that the soil is the heart where the word is sown. The scripture is first fulfilled in your ear. It's first, it must enter your ear. It's first fulfilled in your ear. Luke 4, 21. And he began to show to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The fulfillment of scripture in your life, the healing you will experience is first fulfilled in your hearing. And then for us to hear, we need to know the art of hearing is continuous listening until it breaks through. Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It has to enter. It must enter, people. You want to be healed? Meditate on these scriptures morning, afternoon, night. Speak it to yourself. Confess it to yourself. Think about them. Until it enters. Don't assume. If it enters, faith comes. Look at 2 Peter 1, 19. And so, we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well, you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. There is an until, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, until it breaks through into your heart. Knowing this fact that no prophecy or scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So you need to study it, give heed to it as a light. It's light. The word is light. It, until it pierces, until it enters. People, there is an entrance. It fulfills in your hearing when it enters. You got to go in. Go in. Pierces through. It pierces through. Shines in the dark place of unbelief and drunk. Which were piled up. Fear. So when we do that, as you are doing that, you are helping yourself. And then the, keep listening. Keep listening. Keep listening, and you'll be praying, Lord, open my eyes. Give me understanding in this world. I have to hear it. It must get into me. Lord, it must enter me. You keep praying. You keep meditating. You keep listening. This word has been sent to heal me. It must fulfill in my ear. It must get into my... You keep praying. You keep confessing it three times a day, three times a day. When it enters, you don't need to ask me. Faith will come. Healing will come with it. Period. That's why we are giving you this exercise to do. So that the word will enter. And once faith comes, automatic. Automatic. You act. If you can't act, it's because faith hasn't come. You still have mental assent. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let, let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you for what you shared with us again about healing. Trusting you with it. That your spirit can help us to understand these things and to stay with it. Because if we desire it, we'll have it. If we thirst after it, we'll get it. Help us, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.